we are in a series called Stirred Up. I want you to carefully read this portion of the verse, Hebrews 10, 24. Carefully read it. Slowly read it. Are you ready? And let us consider one another in order to cause. All right. What do you need to do in order to stir up love and good works? Consider one another. If you want to see good works, if you want to see God do good things, if you want to see the grace of God practically manifested, come on, church. We're going to have to consider one another. And that seems odd, but right now we're thinking about each other. Am I right? Those of you watching online right now, we're considering one another. We're thinking about one another. We are prayerfully asking Holy Spirit to give us guidance regarding each other. When you are focused on one another, good works will show up. Your love for one another will stir up the good works that God intends in our life. Did you hear what I'm saying? Do you love me? Do you love me? I mean, do you love Jesus? Do you love me? No, do you love me? Do you love me? You hear what I'm saying? I mean, what was that about Peter and Jesus when Jesus said to him three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then he gave him works. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you get this? Do you love me? Do you love me? Okay, look at the, the people next to you. Can I tell you this? I can fix all of your marriage relationships right now if you'll stop just loving each other and you'll be stirred up to serve one another. Okay? Love will cause you to work. It will heal so much in your life because you will be busy serving one another. Do you get that? You say, well, I'm doing good things, but you know, do it out of love. Don't do it out of, well, I got to do this. I got to do that. I mean, okay. All right. So I'm stand back up with me. Stand back up. Everybody stand back up. Stand back up. We got to read some scripture. Read this Philippians chapter two. I like you to read it slowly. How many have been reading chapters out of the Bible? Every day, chapters, reading books. I want you to read books. Read just, I'm gonna read the. What book did you read? I love that. Somebody posts, What book did you read this year? Um, John. <laughs> really? You read, I mean, a real book. Hello? Um, okay. You ready to read? Ready? Read. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Just stop. Wow. Was that a mouthful? Okay, let's continue. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Stop, stop. I just broke the cultural norm. Let me say it this way. Ain't nobody better than me. Everybody's better than me. Oh, I just hurt somebody's feelings. I did. Everybody. I'm just as good as you are. But I'm considering you and your needs. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve you. Jesus. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that as Christ Jesus. Stop, just read that again. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, 
taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and found, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now wait, wait. You get this? Do you see what Jesus did? That's what Jesus meant when he said, now you take up your cross and follow me. Serve one another. Serve each other. Say it. I am a servant. Say it out loud. I am a servant. Say it louder. I am a servant. I'm serving Jesus, but I'm also serving you. I'm serving you. Show me somebody that will not serve, and I'll show you somebody that will not be in heaven. Say, Pastor, you can't say that. Too late. You ready to serve? How many want to serve? Anybody want to serve? Holy Spirit, this is so heavy today. We have worshiped. We have testified. Father, thank you for the testimony today. But Lord Jesus, I am so grateful that by your grace, you have brought us all here. But we have a good understanding of your grace, Lord. It's not a contemporary understanding. It's not a cultural understanding. We want to truly know your grace and your power and truly be your family. And as we consider one another... As we love one another, good works will happen. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, be seated, be seated. So today I'm preaching from the topic. You see it in your notes. Get it together. Come on, somebody shout, get it together. Say it, get it together. Come on, church. Let me say, we need to get it together. together. Anybody said that to anybody? Come on, get it together. Sometimes you say it to one person, which is kind of weird to me, all right? Uh, Get it together. And uh, I want us to look at Acts chapter 2 and 1 because my purpose today is to show you how that we can experience the power of God in our community and in our world. All right? And I'm going to say it this way. You get it together. You didn't hear that. Come on, say it. You get it together. You get it together. He said, I got it all by myself. No, no. We get it together. And I have some good illustrations of this. I'm thinking, you know, one of my, can I tell you about my grief right now? Some of you probably know what I'm grieving about. Does anybody know what I'm grieving about personally? Uh, The Big Ten football conference has been canceled, all right? So uh, uh, I do not, for the first time in my life, get the opportunity to watch the Ohio State Buckeyes beat that team from up north. Now, if you're from up north, I love you, okay? We're all, but you know what I'm talking about. I don't get to watch that. I, I like watching football. I like watching football, all right? I played football. I enjoyed it. When I was in junior high, I was a big kid. Imagine that, Luke. I was a big guy, all right? And I used to play football, and I could knock people over because, but somehow in the sixth, seventh grade, it seems like the other guys kept getting larger, and I just stayed the same, all right? And uh, so I'm still not much bigger than I was in junior high school. That's weird. But uh, I, I blocked, okay? Now, blocking's important. Anybody ever played football? Wave, my hand, wave your hand. Ever played football? Has anybody ever ran the ball as a running back? Anybody ever uh, been a quarterback before? Anybody done that? Okay. You, I don't care how good you are as a quarterback. If you don't have somebody blocking for you, you're bad, It doesn't matter how fast you are as a running back. If you don't have a pulling guard, you are never going to make it around that end. If you don't, come on, you understand what I'm saying? Nope. Some people say, I don't know anything about football. It's not pastor. But in other words, when you're watching your team and your team is not doing well, you are yelling, get it together. Stop. Here's the principle of the game. The principle is I am willing to sacrifice in order that somebody else might do something that has a little bit more glory. So while they're celebrating that pass that somebody made, celebrate that curtain of offensive linemen that's standing there pushing everybody else away. I'm preaching a little bit right now, all right? I, I uh, I remember in the beginning of my ministry, I had some friends 
who were uh, Navy SEALs. I don't know too many Navy SEALs anymore, but uh, they're still my friends, still around. Uh, a guy named Frank Fetzko was a dear friend. If he's watching, I don't know if he is, but I haven't talked to Frank in a long, long time. Moved way up north, but Frank was my buddy, all right? And when I was still a youth pastor, uh, he was there helping me. And then when I assumed the pastorate, he and his family came right along. I'd spend time with him. We'd talk. He, you know, we, he shared a lot of things. And there's another guy named Vinny, another guy named John that were Navy SEALs. I just loved talking to these guys. And uh, it was interesting to hear them talk about uh, their training. It was interesting to hear. And here's one of the things that I heard from them. And that is that uh, being in that community, uh, first of all, everybody doesn't make it. I mean, if you go to, what is it, Buds? Is that what they call it? If you go in Buds, a lot of people, in fact, I think the number of percentage is like 90% drop out because it is so intense. But those that come through it, the concept is, is that they will lay down their lives for one another. The ability to lay down your life for the other who is standing with you in battle increases the strength and the effectiveness of that particular group. So I'm saying that if we want to fulfill our mission, we've got to be willing to lay our lives down for one another. Was that too thick? Now, we sometimes read scripture and we just kind of, oh yeah, I've heard this. So Acts 2 and 1, they were all with one accord. That is not a Honda, okay? That's not what that is. Uh, I mean, it's a thick scripture in Acts 2, 1 and 4. You remember this one, the day of Pentecost had fully come. We remember that. It was Pentecost. They were all with one accord in one place. We hear that and quickly jump to, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven Sounded like a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. Big sound in the house. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And, and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Anybody, anybody come from my background? Okay, come on. What we need right now is for that person and that person and that person to start speaking in tongues. And that is, and even though I think that's fine, I think we skipped over and what we have is generations of people that are working really hard to, uh, to have a spiritual gift evident in their individual life. And they skip the whole opening of the scripture. We're wanting gifts and we're wanting power and we're wanting to move and God's power and see miracles and devils defeated. We, we jump to that place and we want words of knowledge and words of wisdom, but we can't stand each other. Why don't you go to church? I don't like people. Yeah. Way to be a Christian. How's that working for you? There's so much action in this moment. You see the gathering. And we think, well, there was a gathering. And, and, and all of it speaks of this community of people that have gathered. That statement in one Accord. Somebody, there's unity here, but it's a, it's a deeper word than just See, we think unity is we don't ever say anything mean to each other, okay? How many believe you can't have unity without accountability? I want to be, be in unity. You don't, we don't understand this level of unity. We don't understand it. Can I tell you this? Power without unity is fraudulent. Power without unity is a fraud. And we've seen it. We've seen it in the church world where people are kind of showing all their gifts and their power, but there's no unity, okay? And there's such division. I love, I love my old boy movies. Anybody remember Sandlot? Anybody remember Sandlot's Benny the Jet? The Jet. The Jet, Smalls, Squints, Kenny, Ham. Anybody remember these guys? Repeat. They're all on the same Baseball team, you gotta, if you haven't watched, I'm sorry, if you haven't watched Sandlight, I apologize to you, okay? But hilarious. Goonies, anybody remember Goonies? Okay, I'm talking 80s stuff and 90s stuff. I think Sandlight, Goonies was well before Sandlot, but that was uh, Mikey and Brand and Mouth and Data, uh, Chunk, okay? Remember these guys? The movie is not Goonie, it's Goonies, so all of those movies that you watch about one guy who does everything by himself, okay, it's a fraud. 
The only time, if he has done something, it's to lay his life down on behalf of other individuals. I mean, like, let's go way back, okay, way back. How many remember the three little pigs? All right, three little pigs, okay? So there's three little pigs. First pig built his house out of straw. The second one built his house out of sticks, wood, right? Third built his house out of bricks, okay? They're divided. Remember that? Big bad wolf, how's that for an example, comes to the first pig and says, let me in, let me in. And he says, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And he says, then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. All right. This is thick theology right now. All right. Three little pig theology right now. Stay. Are you with me still? Everybody. Yeah. They're still in line. Wow. So <laughs> second, he says, he says, no, I'll not let you in. And so he huffed and he puffed and he blew his house down. Same thing happened with the second pig. But each pig kept running to the next pig's house until finally they got it together in a brick house. And they put a fire in the chimney. And what happened? The big bad wolf said, I'll huff and blow your house down. But when they were together in the brick house, Jesus is the cornerstone. Okay, anyway, so... In the brick house, the wolf could not blow it down, so he decided he would find a way to come in, and he came down the chimney. Now, wait, wait, but the three pigs got it together and put a fire in the chimney, and they put a pot in the chimney, put some water in the pot. They started working together. Big bad wolf comes down the chimney, lands in the pot, lit up the pot, cooked the wolf, had the wolf for dinner. Man, I can't wait till you get home. Somebody says, what do you preach about? Three little pigs. Is there, how many would like to just eat up the devil? Anybody want to do that? All right, you can't do that living in your house of straw all by yourself. That's why even though we're socially distant, we're trying to stay spiritually close. It's tough. It's like a hybrid church right now with everybody everywhere. And we're working hard on this. And, but, but at the same time, I want you to know we've got to get this thing together. Because whether you know it, you might say, well, I hear, I've heard about spiritual warfare, but there's not a lot going on. Yes, there is spiritual warfare that's going on. Remember this example that we used to do? Here's the church. Here are all the people. Here's the church. See the steeple. Open it up. See all the people. Remember that? Nobody knows that? Okay. All right. It's, it's bad theology. Okay? And, and the better is the Lucy from the Peanuts theology. These five fingers, individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. What I'm saying is, here's a church and here's a steeple, but if we would come together, we would truly be God's people. You know what I'm saying? And finally, rather than being busted up by the devil and kicked around by demons all the time, we would be able to stand together and fight and defeat the enemy and he would stop being on our back and end up under our feet like God intended him to be. Preach, Lucy. You need more carefully to look at the scripture because the Bible says that they came together and they experienced power. Don't get the cart before the horse. Before wind, before tongues, before gifts, what do we see? We see unity. We see power because these individuals got together. Don't get the power before the together. It doesn't mean there was a crowd. That's what we think. There was a crowd and they were in a building. That's not what they're saying. It doesn't mean there was a crowd. They were together in one place, yes. They assembled in one place, yes. But you're missing something critical because this scripture is in response to the teaching of Christ when he told them, I want you to go and I want you to stay in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. But he told them so many things, and I'll point this out. You'll see that in response to Christ, they 
continued with one accord in prayer in Acts 1.14. And then we see with one accord in one place in verse 1. And then in uh, uh, verse 46, Acts 2.46, and also in verse 24, we see they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. And then in verse 24, they raised their voice to God. They prayed in one accord. Does anybody understand being in one accord? No, we don't understand. But let's see what Christ wanted in, in John 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples. John 17 is the great prayer of Christ for us. In John 17, he prayed this way. He said that they may be one as we are one. I want you to understand the level that we just raised there. He didn't say, I want you to be one, you know, like uh, a baseball team is one. I don't want you to be one like the three little pigs are one. That's not what he's saying. I want you to be one as the Father and I are one. Does anybody see a change? How's that? How is that revelation itself going to transform your life? You, now I've given you that. You're going to have to do something with that. What are you going to do with that? Are you, are you all okay with the oneness right now? I mean, just, we are the body. I'm talking about membership. People think it's a business transaction. No! We're supposed to be one as the Father and the Son are one. The Son always knows the will of the Father. The Son is busy surrendering himself. Look what he says in verse 20. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. And then he goes on and says, may they be brought to be in complete unity. We need a, we need a better translation. We don't even have the words for this. We can't find the terminology for this. We can't even see the example. I'm having to use like these, these earthly examples. I'm having to preach about Sandlot and Goonies for heaven's sake to try to get us to the point of understanding the depth of this. Literally, a deep study of the Greek text here is a word that is, it's very strange. You probably have not heard about it, but it's homothimidon. Homothimidon, which is this. It's an action where a community or group sees themselves literally as one. Literally as one, acting as one, living as one, caring for one another as one. It's the principle of the teaching of the word of God to his people collectively. When he speaks in his word about this throughout scripture, he is not just throwing it around, but all through the Bible, Genesis, how many know he's the same God in Genesis as he is in Revelation? Anybody know that? Some people think like God got to skip Mal got through Malachi, and by the time we get to Matthew, we believe that God just changed his mind. Oh, help me preach this truth, Lord Jesus. The calling of God is not just for you to be individually saved and filled with his spirit but for us to be saved and filled with His Spirit. That's why in Acts 2, we keep hearing terms like, the whole place was shaken. Acts 4, the place was shaken. That's why the church moved in power, because if you want to see power, you've got to get people together as one. Anybody want this? Wave at me. And you say, Pastor, that is really good preaching, unless you get practical, and then we're out of here. <laughs> it's like, Please, Pastor. I mean, here's our issue. You see, I believe that in the early church there was great power because there was great unity to receive that power. You, you got that? And then as you get into Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, what do you find? Fussing, fighting, fuming, irritated people, mad about supper, didn't get the head table, didn't get there early enough. All people eating all the food before they got there. They had turned communion into the golden corral. Basically, that's what it was. And we see all kinds of illustrations in the word of God about how that God was 
has this belief, has this teaching that they were supposed to be one. A great illustration. And it's tough, okay? It's really a tough illustration. It's in Numbers chapter 25. So they're getting through, they're getting down the road, getting through the wilderness. The Israelites were camped at Acacia Grove. Okay, can I go ahead and preach this? Okay. I'm looking around the room. Yeah. Checking my age group here. Okay. All right. So some of the men defiled themselves by having sexual relations with local Moabite women. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods. So the Israelites just went to the feast with them, worshiped the gods of Moab. And in this way, Israel joined in the worship of Baal, the pure, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. Now, here's the deal. The demonic worship of the Moabites, statingly nasty, but because they had incorporated sins of physical intimacy into their worship and made it right, they all came to that gathering because it's what their flesh had always wanted to be doing. It's called the religion of our culture. Because, listen to me, let me preach that religion for a moment. As long as it's between you and someone else, it doesn't matter to anybody else. False religion, right? All right? It doesn't matter with whom or how or whether or not they are of the same gender or not. Oh, come on. Can I... Don't make me tap dance around this, brothers and sisters, okay? And here's, the, here's the doctrine of LGBTQ, so you can know it, and that there are a lot more letters now than there ever have been, and they will continue to be more and more letters. And here's the doctrine. The doctrine is you just decide what's right for you, and nobody should ever say anything about it, okay? But here is the reality. You can't be a part of the unity of a holy God and a part of that relationship, too. And here's the other reality. God can set you free. He does it all the time. I could line people up around this building of people who have been set free from same-sex relationships. Come on. Can I get an amen? And you say, I don't want to be that. But there's so many things. That's just one of a lot of things. I'm not, oh, he's preaching about LGBTQ. No, I'm, I'm preaching about the disunity that people in the church can have and think it's just fine. In this setting, you can see it happen. Somebody says, hey, honey, you want to go? We're having a gathering over here at our gather, our church. You know, it's, you know, it's bail, but the food is really good. The dancing is spectacular. And unlike you, we don't have to obey those commandments that Moses had because you know that's not normal for people to act that way. There'll be a fire. We'll bring food. We'll eat some of the food. We'll sacrifice it to Baal because Baal is so cool. And it doesn't matter what God you serve as long as you serve a God. It doesn't matter who you pray to. There's not only one way to live forever. How many have heard this mess in our culture? There's only one way and it's Jesus as the only way to God. There is not another way. And there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end will be destruction. And I know you're struggling, but what you need is to connect yourself with the holy body of Jesus Christ and walk in righteousness and accountability. You'll get through that. We'll show you the power of the Holy Spirit, but repent, reject your past, reject your sin, come back to God and receive the Holy Spirit in your life and you'll be free. Now, God is really serious about this. Anybody ever read the Old Testament? Now, you're not going to like this, but I'm going to tell you the story. So there's this one guy named Simeon that even though God sent his word. Now, remember, the, the, the Old Testament wilderness is the first church. It's the church of the wilderness. It is given to us as an example. Now we have the blood of Jesus. Somebody thank God for the blood of Jesus. We don't have to do some of the other things, but we still need to be righteous. There's no place in Scripture that says give your life to Jesus and live like you still belong to the devil. There's nothing that says that. That's new doctrine. (sighs) Making sure people are still in line. Praise God. All right, so watch this. Uh, Simeon took a woman of Moab in in front of everyone. He just took a woman. I'll do what I want to do. Declaring that he would not be moved by the call of God to righteousness. 
So a guy named Finneas. Anybody name their kid Finneas? Anybody know anybody named Finneas? What a cool name. Finneas. I like that. Finneas. Call him Finn, whatever. I don't know. Finneas. Finneas is the great-grandson of Aaron, the high priest. Aaron, Aaron's rod. Anybody that? He knows all about that. And, and Finneas was so moved by the call of God to righteousness that he took a spear and he threw it. Now, don't you be doing this kind of mess. Pastor Rick said, throw a spear at him. No, he did not. That would be godless. New covenant, cross of Jesus, all right? So he grabbed a spear and ran into the tent and thrust it right through Simeon and the woman. And the plague stopped. Now, I know some of you don't like what I'm preaching right now, but let me, let me explain this to you, okay? How many believe God is a God of love? All right? So... When I say that to you, some people will not serve God because they believe, you know, if you say God's a God of love and he would let this happen, okay, here's, here's the problem. You've got to reject your definition of love and accept God's definition of love. How many know, do you love somebody? Does anybody love, anybody really love God? Do you love God? Do you care about God? You know, I, I, I want you to get this. I mean, we might say, thank God we're not in those days, but I wonder how many people have died. Remember I taught you from Corinthians about the communion last week, and I was sharing with you there are people that are sick, and there are people that are struggling, and the big problem is, is that they are saying, I'm a part of the body of Christ, but I'm still going to be connected to the doctrine of devils. I was listening to a minister recently, I, no names, but sometimes I'm in, I listen to some guys, and they just make me crazy. Just want to climb through the TV and say, let me pray for you for a minute. You know, he's speaking about the wealthiness of his people and telling them that God had a plan and a destiny and that no matter what, God, if you just, if you just trust God, you're going to get that promotion. You're going to get that raise. And I wanted to say there might be some other foundational issues. I want you to get the raise, but we need to realize that we are one body. This, listen. Anybody have any cash? Okay, it's not your money. It's God's money. Anybody have a job? It's God's. All right? Anybody have a car? It belongs to God. Anybody have a house or do you have property or anybody have a little retirement set aside? It all belongs to God. Everything that I have belongs to the Lord. So when we talk about these words of one accord, another word is koinonia, fellowship, the community of oneness with Christ. The United States is not the church. We cannot, come on, some of you are denying brothers and sisters in the church because they don't look at politics the way you do. That is sin. Nobody's throwing spears. The belief system is this. What I do doesn't affect anyone else. I'm just going to do what's best for me and what is right. It's about what I want. That's a false teaching, okay? We're supposed to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just make one more statement and then we'll pray and get you on out the door. Maybe two or three more statements. This is a season for the church to rise together. This is a season for the church to rise together. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 3 and because... In Revelation chapter 3 speaks about a last day's church that is the church of Laodicea. Okay, anybody have heard of the Laodicean church? There are seven churches that are discussed in the book of Revelation. I've taught you on all of them in the past. But I, I want you to see this for a moment because the letter from the Lord speaking of the lives of a last day's church is weak and anemic. In verse 15, he says, I know your works. I know your works. So your works are relative to the way that you care. For God, you're one with Christ and one with one another. I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. Now, some people look at that and say coldness is evil and hotness is goodness, but that's really not the example here. The context is there is an aqueduct that ran, uh, uh, that runs in Israel, and during that time, uh, Roman time, 
if you were on one side, it, it was hot. If you were on the other side, was it cold? But in the middle, it was lukewarm. And nobody wanted that particular water. You wanted the hot water or you wanted the cold water. In other words, the water that is lukewarm is uncommitted water. That's what he's saying. He says, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Hello. Nobody. I love God. Don't you love God? Isn't it refreshing when you just hear the truth? Doesn't it warm your soul as a, tr- as a believer in Christ? Does it warm you? It's just, yes. The truth, hallelujah. You know, it's, when I preach the truth, it's like I can feel the Lord just smile at me and say, yeah, boy, go ahead. You know, I, I just feel that in my heart. It's just beautiful, spectacular truth. And then the angel of the Lord says this, I counsel you to buy from me, from the Lord, gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and you might wear white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see that you, I want to heal your eyes because you're looking at things all wrong. I want to heal your life. I want you to have true riches rather than the false riches that you have. And then he says this, read this with me, read this out loud, this last uh, line, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Oh, you did not read it out loud. You're afraid. I heard that. Come on. Out loud. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. What? God loves us and he rebukes us? Let me tell you, a child that's going to struggle, a child that's never been rebuked, and a child that's never been chastened, never been directed, am I telling the truth right now? We need, we need the chastening. We need the rebuke of the Lord so we can decide whether or not we're going to be worth something. And then he says this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I, I will come in. Now, here's what that says. I'm not in yet. I'm not in. Oh, yeah, God's in. No, he's not. Jesus is. No, he's outside. He would like to come in, but you have to open the door and let me in knowing that it is me. Not a fake Jesus. Not the Jesus of your. Am I okay? And he says this. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'm calling you to this right now. I will come into him and dine with him and he with me to him who overcomes. Overcome what? Overcomes all that mess that's causing you not to open the door. I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. You still see that? How did Jesus overcome and sit down with the father? How did he do that? He surrendered himself and considered, though he was the very nature of God, he didn't consider equality with God something that he needed to grasp. I'm not ready to sit on the throne right now. And he came and gave his very life for those who had not yet received him. He served. And then he taught oneness to you and to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And here's what I'm telling you. You trust the Lord. You put your faith in God. You go ahead and walk in obedience. You go ahead. Listen, don't just do that. You go ahead and be united. Look at one another and say, I love you. Look at each other. Tell each other, I love you. And I'm going to show you what's going to happen. Together, we will experience the glory of God. All right? Now, here's, here's what I'm saying. When we get together, we're going to see the power of God unleashed. Stand with me. Everybody stand with me. After you write those notes down, stand with me. I've got a scripture for you as we wrap this up. You ready? You're going to have to read this with me. Read it out loud with me. Arise. Arise. Come on, read it together with me. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Okay, this is not, this is not about the return of the Lord Jesus. This is not about you being in heaven. This is not 
about the millennial reign. It is not about any of that. This is about when we are in a world that is filled with darkness. And what he wants to do is to shine upon us. Come on, I believe. You say, I I want my destiny. God has a destiny. Well, here's your destiny. Here's your destiny. It's a prophetic description for you. Deep darkness is upon the earth. And many have drifted away. But when we come together in one accord, when we get it together, when we stop playing, and we need some stuff to happen in the world, you say, I just want everything to go back to normal. No! I want the church to get this thing together. I want us to love one another and to serve God, to embrace one another like we've never embraced, to care for each other like we've never cared for one another before. I want you to serve him. I want you to serve her. I want you to serve her. I've been so bothered by what's happened in our world. See, one of the things that I hate that hurts me, and it comes against the fabric of our church. Somebody thank God you're in a multi-ethnic church. Somebody thank God for that. But all that, all the division and all the hurt, and we've been able to teach and preach through it and walk through it as the body. But I just hate slavery. I just hate that curse. Do you hear it still screaming at us from all those years? Anybody hear it still screaming at us? Okay. All we would have needed during that time was when somebody tore somebody out of their homeland and country and somebody else was there on that day and they saw them. They should have paid the price for them, taken them home, made them a bed in their house, fed them food, healed their lives, and served them rather than asking to be served by them. Do you see what the sin is? Anybody see what the sin is? The sin was a nation that said, we're going to found ourselves as a nation that wants freedom to worship God. And then they took that freedom to worship God, that freedom to serve God, and contaminated it with the sin of slavery. Can I get an amen from somebody? You know how, do you know what the great struggle is in our nation right now? It's a struggle with sin. Have I told you this before? We need healing in our nation. We need healing. We need healing because there are people that are hurting and they're wounded. And the problem is, is we need confession and we need repentance. And the church is the example of that because we don't care who anybody is. When they walk in and accept Jesus Christ, we are here to love and to serve one another as the body of Christ. What Isaiah is prophesying is this. During the dark time, the beautiful church is going to shine as if you walked into a dark room and flipped the light switch on. And not just because of our, and not just because of our love for one another but because of the power of the Holy Spirit that comes into that setting. Do you hear this? Read this. Arise. Shout it. Arise. Arise. Say it. Get ready to shine. Get ready to shine. The Lord will arise upon you. Now read this last line. And His glory will be seen upon you. Help me, Jesus. Are you getting this? Anybody receiving this? Okay. I'm telling you about Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. What he's saying is when you will come together in one accord, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, when we will gather in one accord, when we will love and serve one another and not consider anybody else less than 
He said, then I will pour my spirit out upon you. And in a dark world where nobody else has the answers, the church will have the answers. You listen to my heart right now. I'm telling you what the United States needs, what the world needs right now is a church that will stop being the world and will start being what Christ has called us to be, that we will truly be one as the body of Christ. And as we are one and as we love one another, watch what happens. The power of God comes upon us like a rushing mighty wind and we see the power the outpouring the move of God within the church and the sick are healed and devils are running and the church rises as a bright light in a dark place anybody want that or you think I'm crazy some people raise their hands saying we think you're crazy but anybody want it somebody anybody want it wave at me I want that you ready I want us to pray. I'm always amazed that people say, you know, what we really need to do is just get rid of COVID-19 and everything will be fine. It won't. It won't. Getting rid of COVID-19 will not fix everything. What we need to do is two things. One, we need to say we're going to be one. Say we're going to be one. Okay, but if I cut my right hand and it's bleeding and I say, that's okay, I still got a left hand, then I will bleed to death. Does that make sense? So I use my left hand to come to my right hand and put pressure on it, cleanse it, wash it, bandage it. And then I take all the work that that hand could not do. Even if I'm right-handed, my left hand is going to start writing, driving, doing the work of two hands. You see, we are the body of Christ. Some of you are bleeding. You're saying, are you talking about my hurt? No, I'm also talking about your sin because sin is bleeding to death. The sin that you're living in right now is, is, is a wound. It's a wound in your life, but it's also causing me to bleed. I am hurting because of your sin. You say, well, ain't none of your business. You're just preaching the doctrine of devils. That's why the scripture says if you want to overcome your sin, you should confess your sin. If you confess your sin, you will also be helped to overcome your sin. And then the Lord will restore you. And heal you within the body of Christ. Are you ready? All right, close your eyes for a moment. Sing a little bit. Sing a little bit as I wrap this up. Jesus. Jesus. should receive it yet. If you haven't got communion, see Joe's over here. Chris is back here. If you don't have it, get it in your hand. Open it. Now watch. Before we do this, close your eyes. Keep your eyes closed for a moment. Okay. All right. Now some of you have some things that the Lord's dealing with you that you just really need to confess and deal with right now. Some sin in your life. It could be just unforgiveness, which is a massive sin. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. I want you to confess what your sin is. I mean, some of you might, it might be as something like really out there, like maybe you're involved in adultery right now. You might say, but that's my own business. No, it's my business because you're part of me. Okay? So just close your eyes and I want you to do this. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit has convicted you of, I want you to confess this time by just waving your hand at me and confessing your sin that I've got some sin that I'm struggling with and I want to overcome. Wave your hand at me. Wave your hand at me. Wave your hand. That's a lot of people. Okay? Okay, let's do it differently. Let's open our eyes. Now, confess your sin with everybody's eyes open and everybody looking around. Look at all of that. All right? All right? Say this, I repent 
and I turn from my sin. Now, I would like to help you, but you're going to have to also help yourself by confessing to others so that they can help you to overcome it. Can I get an amen? Amen. So, Lord, we confess, we repent, we hold ourselves accountable to one another because we are a part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody shout unity. The reason we receive the cup is out of unity. We're saying that we are one. Are you one with me? I've offered you communion. Are you one with me? I'm one with you, okay? Are you one with me? Look around each other. Look around at each other and say, we are one. We're one. We are one. And that's why we receive communion, to say we are one with Christ. Ready? The body of Christ. Receive the body of Christ. receive the body of Christ, we are saying we are the body of Christ. We are one. Now take the cup, the cup, the blood of the new covenant. Here's what I'm saying. I am for the righteousness of Christ. I am for my sins being washed away. That's why I confess. You see? And I repent. You ready? Receive the cup of the Lord, the blood of Christ. Now let's give thanks to the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you have done here. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your peace. Thank you that we are one. We are one. Father, I thank you for what you're doing here today. There are those of you that might need to pray, and we have people that will pray with you. They'll wear masks and stand in front of you, and they'll pray with you. If you need prayer, maybe you need to confess and talk to somebody. You need healing in your body. Just come up and stand over here to my right. We're going to sing this song one more time, and then you can be dismissed whenever you choose. Look at me. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Let's give thanks to God for his word today. May the Lord bless you all. Go in the peace of the Lord. I'll see you again soon. Sing. Call the name of Jesus.